Hello and welcome to 20 Minute Health Talk. I'm Rob Hoyle. This is our last episode of 2023. And before we say goodbye to the year that was, we reflect on some of the top breakthroughs over the last 12 months coming from the Feinstein Institutes for Medical Research, the research arm of Northwell Health. In total, more than 3,000 papers made it into peer-reviewed journals in 2023. And among that impressive body of work, are some headline-making studies that are improving lives for people living with conditions ranging from postpartum depression to paralysis, inflammatory bowel disease, cartilage damage, and cancer. We kick off our list with a breakthrough 15 years in the making, the first ever at-home pill to treat perinatal or postpartum depression. It's not like anything we've had to date in psychiatry. That's Dr. Christina Delagenitis, one of the leading researchers behind the new pill called Zoranolone, as well as the IFE form of it called Brexanolone. She is a professor at the Institute of Behavioral Science at the Feinstein Institutes and director of women's behavioral health at Northwell's Zucker Hillside Hospital. At the outset of our conversation, she explained that postpartum depression affects about one in eight birthing women, and that can happen both during and after pregnancy. For half of women, they first start developing symptoms of clinical depression in pregnancy. So for many patients, you know, they may not feel themselves. They're feeling sad, down, less interested in things, not enjoying things. This is clinical depression. Um, And so uh, clinical depression has um, many causes. On top of risk factors like genetics and trauma, pregnancy itself is a risk factor for depression, something she called a hormonal trigger. When women are under stress during pregnancy or after delivery, the brain is not able to kind of handle that stress as it normally should be able to, either when the hormones are high in pregnancy or after they drop, after the baby's born. Um, there's a there's something in the brain that's not adapting to the stress of the time, and it's triggering clinical depression. Antidepressants and talk therapy have been the mainstay treatments for years but go largely underutilized by women during or after pregnancy. And sometimes, you know, in a postpartum patient, time's of the essence because then that's time that they're um, not spending maybe with their their infant or their other children or their family, their spouse, um, where their, their symptoms are really impairing their functioning. For the last 15 years, Dr. Delgenitis has been studying postpartum depression as part of a worldwide effort to develop more effective, fast-acting treatments. It's been funded by the National Institutes of Health for the past 15 years to look at these, they're called brain steroids or neurosteroids. They're just steroids that are made by our brains. Dr. Delgenitis explained that these brain protective molecules are especially important during big hormonal events like pregnancy because they help regulate inflammation and stress. So when these steroids can't protect the brain from stress and depression develops, how can we restore that balance? How can we restore the brain's ability to manage stress? Hoping to answer those questions and more, researchers began developing and testing a synthetic version of these neuroactive steroids as a treatment for postpartum depression. Two of those trials have led to FDA-approved treatments in just the last four years. The first was Brexanolone. Um, which is nearly, it's identical to um, the brain steroid that our body makes. It's actually related to progesterone, which many people understand that's a, you know, a sex hormone, a female hormone. And so um, we did those trials here at Zucker Hillside Hospital. It was a 60-hour infusion, and it was um, associated with rapid, like within hours, reduction of depressive symptoms. So that was FDA approved in 2019 for postpartum depression. 
While effective, the need for women to receive brexanolone at an infusion clinic or health system was a barrier to care. This spurred two trials studying xeranolone, a pill form of the same treatment that could be taken at home. And we saw really similar results. It's taken once a night. And it's just the 14 days. And what we saw is that by day three, just after two doses, women were having a, a tremendous reduction in their depressive symptoms and uh, feeling like themselves again. It's almost shocking to them when they think about it and then compare and contrast to say, yeah, I remember talking to you, Dr. Delgenitis, about how I was feeling and the hopeless and the helplessness. But I, my brain just says, hasn't been going there. And so that gives tremendous hope. Reflecting on the many years of work it took to get here, Dr. Delgenitis concluded that this is a victory for women's mental health. Now that we've unlocked and understand what these neurosteroids or these brain steroids can do in the brain, there is no stopping the development of these rapid acting medications. And with that door now open, others have begun to walk through. Neurosteroids are now being tested not only in other forms of depression and anxiety, but Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, and traumatic brain injuries. Sea coral is remarkably resilient. Even after suffering severe damage, the coral can regrow and recover, a trait that experts in regenerative medicine have been trying to reproduce in humans. We spoke with Dr. Kenneth Zaslav, the director of the Center for Regenerative Orthopedic Medicine at Northwell, about how he's using sea coral to repair knee cartilage and damaged joints, a promising new solution for both chronic knee pain and osteoarthritis. Sea coral is an organism in the ocean. And this living organism is a skeleton that takes things from the ocean, elements, you know, potassium and whatever else it takes, and it turns it into a skeleton. Also called aragonite, that skeleton is nearly identical to human bone, Dr. Zaslov told us. Having been used as a bone substitute in spine surgery for years, he and a group of researchers wondered, could it also stimulate cartilage growth? This, he explains, would solve an unmet need in orthopedics. If you break a bone, and new bone cells form all the time. When we cut your skin for surgery, uh, new skin cells form, obviously, or you would never heal. As an adult, that when articular cartilage breaks, it continues to break down. They do not form new cartilage. Ultimately, that breakdown leads to wear and osteoarthritis. Typically found in the hands, hips, and knees, osteoarthritis is a degenerative joint disease. Because of the destabilization and the irregular wear of these surfaces, the cells themselves release enzymes, which then become damaging to the surface around it. We've tried to find ways to stop that. Dr. Zaslov was among a group of orthopedic surgeons recruited to join a company called CardiHeal, which had developed an aragonite-based implant to help regrow cartilage and bone. Through a series of clinical trials, they found that it could in fact stimulate the body's own mesenchymal stem cells, or MSCs for short. So these are the cells in your marrow that eventually can turn into bone, cartilage, all the musculoskeletal system tissues. So it's a stem cell that can become multiple types of cells. Much of the research into how MSCs can help the body heal itself, a field known as regenerative medicine, involves harvesting and then injecting them back into an injured or diseased joint or tissue. In this case, we're not injecting anyone's stem cells. We're finding that the aragonite stimulates your body's own MSCs 
to start forming bone? Not only that, their research dating back to 2008 has revealed it can also stimulate cartilage growth. The trick would be to get the highly durable type of cartilage called hyaline, which he explains is what we're born with and can last a lifetime. To do this, researchers borrowed existing techniques from what is known as microfracture surgery. Where they would just drill little holes in the bone to stimulate your own body's stem cells to come out and form new cartilage. They did form a white structure, which stabilized it a little, but it was fibrocartilage, not hyaline cartilage. And fibrocartilage does well for a year or two and then wears away because it's not very strong. Cartilage doesn't have its own blood supply, but the bone right underneath it does. Microfracture surgery grants damaged cartilage access to this blood supply and the rich mix of nutrients, oxygen, and most importantly, MSCs, spurring this regrowth. But by adding the aragonite-based implant into the knee, the cells turn into chondrocytes, which make articular cartilage matrix, or what we call hyaline cartilage, the smooth surface. And this has the lowest coefficient friction known to man and allows you to glide for decades on your joints. While the top third of the implant grows cartilage, the bottom two-thirds grows high-quality subchondral bone, which is the bone that sits right underneath the cartilage. This, Dr. Zaslav told us, is what makes this implant so unique. And we found something even more exciting, and that is that something that never happened before. Cells from the surrounding cartilage would start to migrate from the cartilage in the periphery into the defect. So you got cartilage growth from cells coming up through the MSCs from the marrow, but also cartilage would migrate in from the periphery. And we didn't believe that because that had never been shown before. This coral-based implant called Agilisi received FDA approval for the use in the knee joint in 2022 after a comprehensive two-year study. Notably, half of those enrolled had mild to moderate arthritis, making this the first-ever implant approved by the FDA for articular cartilage injuries for such patients. There is no disease-modifying drug for arthritis yet, and this does seem to at least modify the disease locally in that part of the cartilage and delay, hopefully, over time, the need for replacement. So we ended up with uh, really excellent results. We showed clear superiority, not just equivalence to the standard of care, which was the microfracture or debridement, but superiority two to one and statistically significant improvement in all of the various scores that we normally use to look at arthritis and knee pain. In 2023, Dr. Zaslav became the first surgeon in the U.S. to use Agilisi commercially for CardiHeal. He has performed a number of implants since at Northwell Health Lenox Hill Hospital, which is among the select sites in the U.S. where this is available commercially. I'm here on the backs of all of these people that have done the early work, and I just lucked out to be the first uh, to be able to do it here commercially uh, for CardiHeal. Uh, that was just serendipity. Not just effective in restoring knee cartilage, Agilisi is also more cost-efficient compared to traditional treatments, which is largely thanks to the abundant supply of coral. And there's no impact on the environment, he notes. Agilisi is an acellular implant, which means they only harvest non-flowering coral. Artificial intelligence dominated headlines in 2023, and here at Northwell, we saw a few examples of how it can impact healthcare for the better. For our next advance, we look at iNav, an AI tool that is reducing the time between diagnosis and treatment, and in the process, bringing hope to those at risk of pancreatic cancer. 
It all started when I came to Northwell Health about two years ago. That's Dr. Daniel King, an oncologist and assistant professor at the Institute of Cancer Research at the Feinstein Institutes. I recognized that there was this problem. We had a really attractive study for African-American patients with pancreas cancer, but we were having some challenges enrolling into this study. And I was trying to figure out why that was happening. African-Americans are more likely to be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer than any other racial or ethnic group. They also have worse outcomes. In the general population, just 7% of patients survive five years past their diagnosis. In order to get patients onto the study, we had to approach them before they underwent a biopsy. But a biopsy done for research-only purposes is unlikely to be covered by insurance, Dr. King explained. This presented a major barrier to enrollment since patients typically only get referred to an oncologist after diagnosis. And what I recognize is that all patients, before they get a biopsy, they have a scan. And so if there were a way to look at the scan or something related to the scan, then I might be able to find those patients before they get the biopsies. Combing through many MRIs and CT scans, he detected a pattern. They use very similar language to describe the lesions in the pancreas, like the word lesion or the word mass or things like that. But reading through thousands of reports to find these words and spot patients who might qualify for the study wasn't feasible. He knew there was a more efficient way to proceed. Leaning on his prior experience working with artificial intelligence at the University of Cambridge, he tapped into an existing natural language processing model, or NLP for short, already in use at Northwell. And so I asked if I might be able to repurpose that model, retrain it, for pancreas lesions and pancreas masses. And so I did that. I looked over a few thousand scans and annotated scans with finding suspicious for or uh, or absent for pancreas masses. And that became a training set that we used to train a new natural language processing NLP model, which turned out to be pretty accurate in finding pancreas masses. Having the model... We implemented it. In short order, Dr. King's AI model not only accomplished its goal, but we tripled the enrollment into that study. It quickly spun off into a tool called INAV that is now used on a daily basis by oncologists across Northwell Health. We now have a AI model that can find these patients and alert a small team of us, but then we can send that information to a navigation team so that we could then influence the patient care. We have the number of days, for example, between the diagnosis and when they saw an oncologist. We doubled the number of patients with pancreas cancer that were being seen by Northwell oncologists. With many potential applications, Dr. King's team is now devising a new trial to study the AI-driven model itself, which he says will include 150 patients being treated throughout Northwell Health's catchment area. And if that's positive, I mean, that means that INEV could easily be incorporated into other healthcare systems so that pancreatic cancer, the way that we study it, just transforms. Instead of this uh, reactive and passive uh, method where we basically wait as oncologists to get these patients coming to clinic, you can really transform healthcare into more of an active, more proactive approach.
Like INAV, another AI-powered innovation coming out of the Feinstein Institutes drew headlines and, more importantly, changed lives in 2023. The double neural bypass system is forging a new path to recovery for patients living with paralysis. And it all started when Keith Thomas joined a study led by Chad Boughton, professor and vice president of advanced engineering at the Feinstein Institutes. When we met Keith for the first time, uh, he was not even able to lift his arms uh, off of his wheelchair uh, and uh, he was not able to feel anything in his arm and hands either. Keith was paralyzed from the neck down after a diving accident in July 2020. He had joined the 5.4 million Americans living with paralysis. When someone has a spinal cord injury, the vertebrae themselves that normally protect the cord actually are fractured and start to shift and can damage the cord. And this leads to a lot of trauma uh, and a lot of uh, damaged pathways so that uh, the movement and the signals that carry sensory information are all interrupted and completely uh, devastated. For the last decade, Bowton has been hard at work developing technology that could work around such an injury. After helping a man regain movement in his arm using a brain implant in 2014, he realized sensation was just as important to patients living with paralysis. Patients like Keith. I just haven't felt the touch in three, three years, so... In 2023, Keith would feel again becoming the first person to benefit from Bowton's double neural bypass. The double neural bypass uh, is an electronic bridge, if you will, that reconnects and sends signals from the brain to the muscles and from the hand uh, in terms of the touch signals back into the brain. Then it also sends signals from the brain to the spinal cord. By having these two branches of the bypass, we can restore movement and touch uh, immediately in a patient who's paralyzed. And then by sending signals from the brain to the spinal cord, we can reestablish communications and strengthen those damaged areas from the injury and lead to hopefully uh, recovery in the paralysis. This technology uses a combination of brain implants, artificial intelligence, and non-invasive electrodes placed over muscles and on the back of the neck to deliver stimulation. We implanted five chips comprising of over 200 electrodes, and these were in very specific areas of the brain that we spent many months mapping. Uh, this gives us the ability to listen in on uh, individual neurons in the brain and to kind of intercept those conversations and reroute those signals to the areas of the body that are needed. Weekly sessions in Bowton's lab at the Feinstein Institutes followed where Keith began to realize the effects of the double neural bypass. So Keith's brain is literally connected to a computer. There are signals from his motor area responsible for movement going to the computer and signals from the computer are going back to different stimulation points in his body, brain and spinal cord. And the goal is to restore movement and the sense of touch in a lasting way. Just a month after the surgery, Keith reported improved arm strength and sensation in his fingertips, something he had never thought he would be able to say after his accident. Those gains have continued with sensation present in his wrist and forearm. Importantly, these improvements aren't limited to the lab. He continues to feel and move even when he isn't connected to the system. We're very excited about the results of this study so far, and we think in the future, this kind of technology could be used for not only spinal cord injury, but potentially even for stroke recovery, uh, or a wide range of disabilities and also diseases. 
For our final advance of 2023, we speak with pediatric gastroenterologist Dr. Benjamin Sahn, who is exploring non-invasive treatments for inflammatory bowel disease, or IBD. Using a simple wand-like device that stimulates the vagus nerve, his team is offering a new beacon of hope for patients, especially children, to manage their symptoms better and live fuller lives. IBD is a disease that's in a family of autoimmune or immune system dysregulation diseases, which comes about because of some interaction between the immune system and the environment, and things go haywire. Of the approximately 3.1 million Americans living with IBD, about 20% are children. Medications currently available work by suppressing the immune system, which is overactive in these patients and create injury in the bowel. So they work on different molecules in the body that are responsible to drive white blood cells to be overactive and create injury within the bowel. Some of the downsides, though, is that they're very expensive. Many of them are invasive. They're injectable or intravenous infusion. And for some children, they suffer um, side effect consequences of immunosuppression or other negative effects from these medications. And so if we can target inflammation in a new thoughtful way without necessarily immunosuppression or some of the dangerous side effects, that's a home run. And especially in our space as pediatricians, because these children are destined in some way to be on some form of therapy for the rest of their life, or at least until we have a cure. He began exploring the field of bioelectronic medicine, which uses electricity to interact with the body's nervous system, particularly the vagus nerve, which then controls the immune response responsible for inflammation. And we started asking questions and we met with some people in Feinstein and we learned about how this could be done non-invasively as well, called transcutaneous or through the skin, vagus nerve stimulation. The vagus nerve runs throughout the body and just so happens to angle out toward the skin by the left ear. It's kind of been um, mapped out in a way by different scientists before us that this one region of the ear right in the center of your ear is particularly innervated by the vagus nerve. This set the scene for Dr. San's next move. With the help of Kevin Tracy, president and CEO of the Feinstein Institutes, largely considered to be the founder of bioelectronic medicine, Dr. San designed a proof-of-concept trial, which began in 2019 with the goal of reducing pain and reversing the course of disease. Participants were between the ages of 10 and 21 and had a diagnosis of either ulcerative colitis or Crohn's disease. We had people hold a transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation device, and the person who's using it can control the intensity of how much electricity is coming out of the device so it's not painful. Like if you held an electric toothbrush up to your skin and you turned it on, that kind of rapid sensory vibration is what a lot of people explain to me how they feel. Children and their parents were taught to hold the device against the outer part of the left ear, which was done for five minutes at a time, once a day for the first four weeks. They bumped it up to twice a day for the last 12 weeks. What we're trying to do is send those signals down the vagus nerve to put the brakes on inflammation. In 2023, he published the findings from his study in the journal Bioelectronic Medicine. Children who had symptoms with Crohn's disease generally began to feel better over the course of several weeks. And we found that at the end of 16 weeks, half the kids who started with symptoms were in what we call um, clinical remission, which is minimal to zero symptoms. And with ulcerative colitis, it was 33% of the kids who had symptoms at the beginning 
did not have symptoms at the end of four months. And so we were excited about that. Importantly, it has not been shown to create immune suppressive side effects the way the drugs have. And we know that with, with certainty at this point. Dr. San says more research is needed to confirm these results, which is why he is now studying the same mechanism in just ulcerative colitis. To make it even more functional, participants in this new trial wear an earbud like those used to listen to music, which contain an electrode to stimulate that same spot on the ear. A wearable is um, a m- much more universally agreed upon, comfortable, user-friendly type of device than something that you have to hand hold where you can't really move around well for the five, 10 minutes that you're using it. Um, And so implantables and wearables, I think will be the future of using this type of therapy. I hope you enjoyed this countdown of some of the top research advances of 2023. I'm Rob Hoyle, and on behalf of Sandra Lindsay and the entire podcast team, it's been a pleasure bringing you another year-end episode of 20-Minute Health Talk. Heading into 2024, we look forward to bringing you more breakthroughs and enlightening conversations. Until then, stay safe and happy holidays.